was pretty surprised when Pastor Idris said to me that Pastor Lubi was coming, you know, and not just coming, but for four days. Um, so Pastor Lubi said to me, well, the Holy Spirit had something to do with that, yeah? Uh, it means we are in the heart of God, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, but I, I just think it is, it, is, it is an important season. Believe it or not, um, I'm, I'm seeing him in the flesh for the first time. But I've followed him for the best part of 20, 21 years now. Um, growing up as a pastor, uh, 95, 96, 97, 8 and all that. I spent a lot of time around Ibadan, either going through, stopping by to pass the night somewhere and all that. And we didn't have a lot of uh, uh, people to learn from uh, as it had to do with the realities of the new creation. Uh, scripture Pastor Christian Center was one of the, in fact, in Ibadan was probably the church then. Amen. And still is. They had this lovely structure which looks like what we have now. Uh, uh, our dome, if you call it that, or spaceship as some have uh, called it. Amen. And, and so things, you know, things about praying in the spirit, I mean, even groaning in the spirit. Pastor Olivia, remember that groaning in the spirit, you know, started to understand that there was more to it than, you know, just simply stated in the scripture there. And so a lot of people in my uh, set will tell you uh, that this is someone that laid a lot of foundation in us. I, 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 I can't even call him a father in the Christian faith in this nation. He's beyond that. He's, a, he's our grandfather. Amen. At the very least, he's our grandfather. And I, I want us to receive God's gift as such this evening. Uh, let us please be upstanding as we bring to the pulpit this evening. Amen. The general overseer of Christian Life Ministries <laughs> and pastor of the Scripture Pasture Christian Center, Pastor Olubi Johnson. God bless you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Glory be to God. Well, 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 it's good to be here. I have been looking forward to this uh, series of meetings. Uh, like your pastor was saying, I, uh, I got this invitation some months ago, and um, I myself was a little bit surprised. Uh, it's not very often you... Uh, get an invitation for prayer. You know, most people want to talk about other things. They don't want to talk about prayer. And then not just for one day or two days. And then it was actually called a retreat. You know, meaning that, and then they said, oh, they want me not just only to teach, but also to have practical sessions. I said, wow, that's a, that's a rarity. That's not something you find everywhere all the time. And well, I did took, take time as I characteristically do, to pray about it. And when I prayed about it, I believe the Lord uh, said I should come. And uh, here we are. So I, wanna, I really want to thank God. I want to thank Pastor Idris. Uh, Pastor, what's the other pastor's name? No, no, you, you. The guy who introduced me. Amen. I just met him tonight. What? Pastor Tunde and Pastor... Yeah. You know, I want to thank you all and on your wives and all the leadership of the church, uh, both the, li the Life Point Church. I like the word Life Point, you know, I like that, you know, and the Elevation Church. I'm very, very grateful 
Thank you for inviting me. I consider it a great honor to speak to God's people, especially the young people. You are the future. You are the ones that God has put his, shall I say, his plans in. I was quoting scripture to them in the office. I said, the Bible says, in the last days, God's people shall be willing in the day of his power. And that he was going to put uh, the young people will be like the dew of the morning. And so, uh, 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 you are very important. You're very, very important to God. And um, I'm trusting God that, you know, he will, these four days won't just be days of excitement and, and hype. But more importantly, they will be days of impartation in which, you know, you will get something that will stay with you for the rest of your lives and take you on into deeper and higher levels in God. Uh, I didn't come alone. I came with uh, um, two of my assistants, uh, Pastor Andrew. Give him a hand. Just give him a wave offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Brother Bimbo is somewhere, somewhere. He's, you know, helping with the uh, multimedia. Uh, Brother Bimbo, Ladejo. And of course, I have three daughters in this place. Amen. Um, that God actually used to make the contact, uh, the Adisholas, Amen, Yimika, Damilare, and uh, Faye Kemi. Praise the Lord. Uh, they're really my daughters, you know. Uh, their parents come to our church and, you know, they've been uh, with us ever since they were, they've been born. <laughs> Praise the Lord, <laughs> literally, you know. And uh, so thank you, Yimika. You know, thanks for doing that. You know, God bless you. Give her a super hand. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Shall we bow to pray? Heavenly Father, we come in the wonderful name of Jesus. We come to share your word at this time, Lord God, and I pray that you will anoint me afresh. Lord, we recognize your word contains the compressed wisdom, infinite wisdom of Almighty God, and it takes that same wisdom to unravel it. So I pray for a fresh anointing upon my heart and my lips, and I ask the same anointing upon the ears and the hearts of all these wonderful people who are listening, so that the word will flow freely, Father, from you through me to the people to do an internal and eternal work in every heart, including my own, causing our wills to become more humble, minds to be more enlightened with revelation knowledge, emotions to become more controlled by the power of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I further ask that, Lord, as I speak, the power of the Spirit of God will be released in more than sufficient measure to follow these words, to back them, wherever they are heard and released in all the earth. And that power will break yokes, heal bodies, cause needs to be met, Lord God, and will uh, uh, transform them permanently from the inside. We further pray for mercy to be faithful. So I will deliver the word, Lord, with precision. I will redeem the time and say only what you want me to say. Bring out the treasure of this word, things new and old, as a scribe instructed unto the kingdom. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. If you believe that prayer, you're going to get all the blessings I mentioned. Say, amen. you know, the word amen means so be it. It's a word of agreement. It doesn't, it's not just a nice thing you tag at the end of a prayer. It means so be it. It means everything you said will happen to me. So it's a prayer of, a, it's an it's a, it's a affirmation of agreement and um, an affirmation of faith. Now, 
uh, uh, I was sharing with Pastor Idris and the pastors in the pastor's office just before we came on the, on, 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 on the vital importance of prayer. We're going to be looking at this over the next, you know, today, tomorrow, Saturday morning, and then on Sunday. Uh, but let me start by saying probably the most important thing you will ever do in your life is learning how to pray. I dare say that the, 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 the degree to which you know how to pray is going to actually determine the quality of life you're going to have. John Wesley, who God used to start the, what is now known as the Methodist Church, you know, I was telling them, you know, they were just a bunch of kids, just like you. They, you know, him and his brother, John and Charles Wesley, they were in Oxford University, you know, and they formed a group. They called it the Holy Club. And they got a group of young people just like you. And they all began to learn to pray and all of that. And that's how the Methodist Church came about. And this is what John Wesley said. He said, it is more important to learn how to pray than it is to get a college degree. That's, you know, uh, go to university. Now, going to university is very important. I'm a very strong person for education. You know, uh, so I'm not knocking that by, in, by any standards. But it is true. It is more important to learn how to pray than it is to get a degree. If you learn how to pray, you can get a degree. But if you have a degree, you may not learn how to pray. <laughs> the man who and the woman who knows how to pray will know how to contact God. And God is the source of all wisdom and power. So the man or the woman who knows how to pray has tapped into the most uh, uh, important resource that exists, not just on the earth, but anywhere, you know. And so learning how to pray is, is, is crucial. It's, it will determine, you know, how your life turns out, you know. And, uh, and so I want to strongly encourage you to... Uh, put your heart in these things that we're going to be sharing with you. Now, what is prayer? I'll give you what God taught me many years ago. Uh, 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 prayer is communication between man in the physical realm and God in the spiritual world. And that communication is achieved through the bridge or the avenue of words and thoughts. See, God, you speak to God and you say things with your mouth, you know, and then God talks back to you. Now, most people don't know that God talks, but he, trust me, he does, you know, and he'll speak to you through your thoughts. Some thoughts will come to you, and you know, that thought is beyond me, it's, you know, like they say in America, it's above my pay grade, you know, and I, you know, I recognize, wow, where did that come from? You know, it had to come. It has to come from God. So, prayer is communication between man in the physical world and God in the spiritual world. Uh, that's it's like a textbook. Uh, 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 it's, it's a technical definition, but it is by the grace of God. It is very comprehensive, and it's uh, absolutely the truth. That's what it is. It's communication between God in the spirit and man in the physical. Now, when we talk about the spiritual world, it has a mystery to most people. Some people don't believe, you know, people don't even believe that there is God. 
you know. Now, I'm going to say what the Bible says about such people. They're fools. Praise the Lord. You know, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know, um, I don't want to get off on that. But the important thing to realize is that there is a spiritual world. There is a world that is beyond this physical world that we can see. You see, the things we can see, the things we can touch, the things we can taste, the things we can feel, the things we have physical contact with, they're real. But there is also <coughs> another realm of existence that is above this physical realm that we can see. Let's even put the Bible aside just for a minute. I'm going to come back to the Bible in a minute. Just be observant. Just look around you. Look, you know, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. You look at the stars, you look at the planets, you look at this great cosmos, you know. Why? Wow. Where did all that come from? You know, it, can't, it, it, didn't just, it didn't just happen. You know, you look, you look around you, you know, down to the microscopic level. You know, uh, those of us who did, uh, my first degree was in physics. Our first class in physics, and I also did engineering at Imperial College. So I'm, I'm an intellectual, yet I believe in the Bible. So, you know, it's, it, today it's supposed to be fashionable to say, if you are scientific, you don't believe in the Bible. Those people are pseudoscientists. It's true. A true scientist has so many questions. That you, when, you, when you observe nature, you will know that there is another realm that is above this realm. When you get down to the microscopic level, you know, when you get down to atoms and, 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 and neutrons and protons, you know, and you go inside, you know, you begin to see all kinds of funny, all kinds of strange phenomena that tells you that there are forces that are beyond this physical realm that we can see. And in order for us to uh, appreciate this, uh, just, just, Honest observation will tell you that you may not be able to understand it and all of that, but at least you'll be honest enough to say, ah, there is something beyond this. Doctors will tell you, for instance, you have a dream. You can't touch the dream. You have a dream, you know, and then you wake up, you know, and the dream affects what you feel. Your heart begins to palpitate. You know, because of the effect of the dream. We call it, you know, psychological phenomena. You know, so it means that there is something beyond the physical realm that is affecting my heart, that's affecting my body. You, you, you think about something and suddenly your blood pressure goes up. That blood pressure is something physical. You can see it. You can see the effect. However, the thing that caused it, you can't see that one. You can't see the thought, you know. So... We know by honest observation that there are things beyond this physical world that we can see. Now, coming back to the Bible, like I said, just put the Bible aside for a second, but I will go, we'll come back to the Bible now. The Bible reveals to us that God is a spirit and that spiritual things are the precursor, they are they are the originator of the physical things that we can see and in fact, they control them. So, uh, God gave me a definition some years ago. What is the spiritual world? It's a world 
that is operating on a higher level of energy or power than the physical world. And it's very, you, it, it's not something that's too difficult to, to see. Let's start with what the physical that we can see. When you move to the speed of light, the speed of light is the same as the speed of um, radio waves or electromagnetic waves. When you get home tonight, you'll take your remote control, sit down on your chair, you go, you know, and you change the channel, you know. There's no physical contact between the uh, remote control and the television. There is a wave that's coming out of the remote control. It goes into television at a particular frequency, and then it causes you to change your channels. If you take the battery out and there's no energy, there's no power, and you press it, it won't work. If you use the one for Panasonic and you use it for um, 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 LG or what you know, different sets, it won't work. You know, there is a there you, you, you there is a without a wireless contact between the remote control and the television. That tells you something. The electromagnetic wave, you can see it, you can touch it, you can feel it, you can taste it, but it's real. So to say. Something is not real simply because you cannot see it is a lie. It's dishonest. Simply because I can't see something doesn't mean it's not real. Now, the spiritual world where God is operates on a higher level of energy than the physical world. Using this background I've just given you, imagine we don't have a fan here, but imagine the propeller of an aeroplane, you know, some aeroplanes are jet engines. Some of them are propeller. You know, usually it has maybe about three or four uh, vanes or an, an ordinary fan. When it's stationary and you're looking at it, you'll be able to count one, two, three, four vanes. When the thing begins to rotate, all of a sudden, you can't see the four vanes anymore. You just see a blur. You know why? The energy inside the uh, 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 rotor, you know, the rotating thing has affected the way your eye is seeing it because it's this, we call it kinetic energy in physics, you know, it's energy by virtue of motion. So as it goes faster and faster and faster, the less you can see the veins. When it starts getting slower and slower, you'll be able to make them out better. When it gets faster and faster, now imagine, now this can't happen, but, you know, uh, this is a thought experiment. Imagine the thing goes faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and it gets to the speed of light. You know what will happen? It will just disappear. It doesn't mean it's not there. It's just moved to another realm where you can't see it. So the spiritual realm is a realm that is not perceptible to the physical senses. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at two verses. Uh, first of all, let's look at verse 1. And uh, Bimbo, can you give me this in the uh, um, Amplified Bible? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, everybody read along with me. Say, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith 
perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now, jump to verse 3. Jump to verse 3. By faith, I didn't hear you. We understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. Now, this is very important. So that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. The invisible things we cannot see are the spiritual world. The things which we can see were made out of the things that we cannot see. God exists in the spirit realm. The Bible says God is a spirit. You and I are spirits. You're wearing a body in this physical world, but the real man, the inner man, is a spiritual man. Is that man that knows fear? Is that man that knows love? Is that man that knows courage? And so what goes on inside your heart then has an effect on your body. They call it psychosomatic, you know, uh, um, influences. You know, this, these, these are scientific realities that, you know, uh, that people know. And even the Bible goes on to say in Romans chapter 1, it says that the invisible things of him, give me that scripture, Bimbo. Romans chapter 1 is verse 20. These are foundational truths you must hold on to, you know, uh, in your Bible. And when you know them, then you, prayer is no longer just something you just do, you begin to do it with precision, you begin to do it with understanding, you begin to do it with revelation, you begin to do it with knowledge. It says, verse, uh, uh, no, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of him, say it after me, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Let me just stop there. The Bible says the invisible things of him, they are clearly seen in creation. You can't see, you, you can see what is creating it, but you can see the effect. For example, take the wind, for instance. How many people have seen the wind before? Can't see the wind, but what do you see? The effect of the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of it. So it is with the spiritual things. You can't see spiritual things, but you can see their effect. And so we know that spiritual things are operating on a higher level of energy than physical things. The physical world was created by the spiritual world, number one. Number two, and just as importantly, the physical world is being controlled by the spiritual world. Every physical event has a spiritual origin. Things just don't happen. Take all these things like coincidence and luck, take it out of your dictionary. It's really, it's not true. Something, some, something happened in the spiritual realm that is causing what you are experiencing in the physical realm. And that is where prayer becomes very important. When you learn how to pray and you communicate with God, you can go into that spiritual world and bring the power of God from the spiritual world through prayer and allow it to now affect the physical world and make, you know, have 
things happen in your life that God wants it that God wants to happen. So the the things you are experiencing will now be things that God has orchestrated and God has ordained from the physical realm into the spiritual realm. And the Bible says it this way. It says, you know, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The things that, the, the, the things of God, the things of the spiritual realm, they are more powerful than the physical realm. The physical realm can be manipulated. It can be controlled by the spiritual realm. In fact, it is being controlled by the spiritual realm for good or for bad. Satan himself is a, is a spirit. Evil spirits are spirits. And they can, they, 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 they can influence things. You know, and get things, you know, to happen. But the good news is that with God, we can counteract anything the devil can do. Hallelujah. And not only that, we can then take over from him and make what God wants to happen, happen, rather than what the devil wants to happen, to happen. That's what Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth as it is in. So I can take what is in heaven and I can make it affect what is happening on the earth and I can get the earth to align with God's plan in heaven. This is the main purpose for prayer. Well, no, not the main, but this is one of the vital aspects of prayer. We want to learn how to pray so that we can contact God in the spiritual realm and then get his power and get his wisdom and then release it into this physical world so that the will of God will be done in our lives. Basically, that's what we want to do. You know, uh, one of the very important thing, which that's why I said that one is not the most important, what I just said, you know, is the reason for creation. God made man for fellowship. So one of the fundamental reasons for prayer is just to fellowship with God. What does, what does fellowship mean? Fellowship is the cream of life. Let me use a natural illustration. If you gave, if I gave you the whole of Lecky, and I say every house is yours, every car is your own, everything in this place is given to you, but you're going to be alone here. Hello? And I give you an army of robots. They cook your food for you. They wash your car. They take care of you. They do everything for you. You know, but you don't have any other human being that you can talk to. You know, the, the robot just does what it's told. You know, you just talk to it. It just, you know, it's mechanical. It just does exactly what, it, you know. Even though all your physical needs will be met, you will be miserable. You will, not, you will not have a sense of fulfillment because you don't have anybody to share it with. That's the reason why God made man. God made man, you know, so that he would have somebody to fellowship with on a level of equality. You know, he had angels, you know, but angels, you know, many of them were just like robots anyway. They just do what they're told, you know, but he wanted to make man. That's why he gave us a free will. So that would be like, he said he made man in the image and in the likeness of God. It's the same reason why God made woman for man. He said it is not good for Adam to be alone. I will make a help meet for him. In the same way, God, there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, but they wanted to have, you know, other 
beings that were like them in our image and in our likeness so they could have fellowship. Fellowship is the cream of life. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much, how much material possessions you have, if you don't have people to share it with, it becomes meaningless. Fellowship is the cream of life. It's the thing that love is the reason for creation. So when God made man, he made man in his image and his likeness. When we pray, we don't pray only to get something from God. We don't pray only to get a blessing. We will get a blessing, don't misunderstand me. But we also pray to commune with God. We also pray to fellowship with God. We also pray to bring joy, to bring uh, love to his heart. That's what happens when we worship God. But even apart from even when we sing and worship, when even just communication and talking and fellowship is very, very important to God. And I want you to understand this. That's why the Bible says he seeketh such to worship him. I don't want you to have the impression that prayer is just like bringing a shopping list. Imagine if you had, you know, so I know many of you are young people, but you know, I'm sure some of you are married. Some of you probably get married soon and so on and so forth. You know, uh, those of us who've been married for many years and all that. Imagine if you have a bunch of children and all your children, they don't, they, they, you know, all they want to do is just come to get money from you. The only time they phone is when they need something. Or you have a friend who is like that. You know, they're fair weather friends. They only, they only call when they want money or they need something. They don't even say, oh, yeah, just how are you? How's everything? You know, you know what would you like me to do for you? You know, what, what would you like? You know, and they don't fellowship with you. You, you, you don't appreciate such people. Let me put on what I'm talking about. You want somebody who really loves you. You want somebody who really cares. You want somebody who will give uh, uh, satisfaction and fulfillment to your heart. That's what God wants. He said, for the father seeketh what? Such to worship him. He's looking for people who have a heart, who would who, who will love him, not only for what they can get from him, but they love him for himself. And they can then uh, provide that fellowship for which he reason he created them, and then they can give joy to his heart. Let me tell you something about God. God is a person. Remember, don't you go your neighbor say God is a person. He has a mind, will, emotions, feelings. So don't talk to him like a robot. Praise the Lord. He is not a money-making machine. He is, he is not a one-armed bandit. You put money in, you crank it, and then money comes out. No. You know, a lot of people think, like, I give and it shall be given unto you. I believe in the scripture, and I believe in prosperity. But that's not just the reason. In itself alone, God is a person. He has feelings. And when you're nice to him, it makes a lot to him. For example, David sat in his house. God didn't ask him to do it. And he looked at it and said, ah. My house is made of wood and, 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 and stone. Then he looked at where the ark was. He said, the ark of God it was under a tent like this. He said, this is not good. He said, I'm going to build a house. God was so touched. He said, go and tell David. Go and tell David. Ah, I've never, I never asked anybody to build a house for me. But the fact that David could think about it. 
went a lot. He said, now I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. It impressed God so much. God made up his mind that the Christ was going to come through David. You know, and, and bless David. Today, up till today, Jesus Christ is still called the son of David. Simply because he went beyond just getting things from God. He, he wanted to touch God's heart. What I'm saying here is of critical importance. So we're, we're going to start learning a lot of technical things in a few minutes and, and tomorrow and on and so on. But I want you to understand that the real purpose of prayer is twofold. Number one, to fellowship with God, to get to know God as a person. So you know his heart, know what he likes, know what he doesn't like, you know, and then give him joy and give him satisfaction. Parents feel, God is the original father. That's why we call him the father God, God the father, you know. Parents know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm a parent myself, you know. Uh, if if you, you, you spend money, you send your children to school, you know, you... You give them the best education and all of that. Then when they get to school, they don't, God forbid, they don't study. They don't come out right. You know, they, they, they go with wrong friends, you know, and, and they, don't, they don't give you any sense of, of, of fulfillment. It's a great grief to the hearts of parents. Spiritually, you know, it's the same thing. God goes out of his way, sends Jesus to come and die for us, shed his blood, fills us with the Holy Spirit, sends his word, gives us good pastors, you know, and then we just don't care about such things. All we just want is, you know, bread and fish, bread and fish, bread and fish, bread and fish. Hello, somebody. You know, there are some people who Jesus gave them food to eat. How many people know that story? He gave them food to eat. You know, they, they didn't have enough food. So uh, they had been, Jesus had been preaching for three days. And Jesus was kind. And he said, oh, they will faint by the way. Find something. They said, oh, we don't have enough food. There's 5,000 people. Where are we going to get food in this wilderness? So Jesus said, okay, get them to sit down. What do you guys have? He said, you have five uh, um, uh, fishes and uh, or five loaves of bread and two fishes. Okay, bring it, bring it. And they brought it and the Lord blessed it. And that's a great miracle. And then God now began to multiply the bread and the fish. And guys, everybody was happy. Hello, somebody. Amen. So they came back the next day. Just like us. And Jesus said, I got your number. You didn't come here to come and learn about me. You didn't come here to learn about me and learn how you yourself can become a miracle worker. You came here because of bread and fish. And I'm sorry, you know, the diet has changed today. There's no bread and fish here. Now, if you want to stay around, eat my flesh and drink my blood. They all left. That really typifies what I'm talking about. So many people, they don't really care about getting to know God. Eat your flesh and drink your blood is just symbolic. You see, become a partaker of my nature. Become a partaker of my character. Become like me. I want you to become, I want you to learn about me. I want you to have my wisdom. I want you to have my thoughts. I want you, I want you, you know, I want you to grow spiritually. I want you to have a spiritual education. I want you to do the same miracles I'm doing. He said, the works I do, you will do and greater. That's what he wants. You know, but they're not interested in that. They all, all they want is bread and fish. And God was disappointed. 
you know, and he didn't like that. So that's what I'm trying to tell, to, uh, tell us tonight. God doesn't just want you to come to God simply because of material and physical things alone. Now, he understands you need these things. The Bible says, the Father knoweth you have need of these things. So I'm not knocking the fact that we need things from God. But he says, seek first. Make the priority. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he said, all these things will be added unto you. So right at the very fundamental level, we need to get all these things right. Our motivations, our you know, purity of the heart and all of that. And the reason why God made us to have fellowship with him. And then we're now going to use this knowledge, all this that we get now to learn how to pray. The second reason why we pray is to overcome satanic opposition. In the air and in the flesh. Can they move this pulpit down there for me? I like to be close to the people. If you don't mind. I, I don't like this um, being far away. God bless you. Can you do that? Thank you. I like, so I like to, you know, so I can look at you eyeball to eyeball. Hello somebody. Alright. Okay. You see... If prayer was just as simple as, you know, I talk to God or get up in the morning and say, God, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> well, Lord, I love you and I bless you. And you know, you know my needs today. I need this and I need that and I need that and I need that. And God said, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. All of them will be delivered. Amen. <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning, everything will come to you. You know, and, and everything comes. You know, if, if that was it, then we don't need this prayer seminar. Hello, somebody. We don't need it. We don't, we don't need to come and have three or four days of, of learning how to pray. If prayer will just talk to God, God will talk back to you. He puts his thoughts in your mind and you just get it, you know. If prayer was as simple as that, we don't need a prayer seminar. The reality is that it is not as simple as that. There is an intelligent spiritual opposition to prayer. And that is why we have to learn how to pray. Satan acts as an impediment to prayer. The Bible tells us in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9 and 10, you can go there, you know, it tells that Daniel prayed. He said, but 21 days, it took 21 days for the angel to bring the answer into physical manifestation. When the angel appeared, the angel said, Ah, Daniel, a man greatly beloved. He said, From the very first day you prayed. He said, God heard. He said, And I was sent. He said, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's an evil spirit, you know, he said, He withstood me 20 and 1 days. He said, But then one of the chief princes, Michael, Michael is one of the archangels, you know, came to help me, you know, and now I was able to bring the answer. What that tells us, and, and Paul reiterates this truth in the book of Ephesians. He said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against uh, principalities and powers and wicked spirits in heavenly places. When you pray, it's not only God who is involved. The devil too is involved. And he tries, he will fail in Jesus' name. But it's not the loud amen that gets the job done. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's a lot we have to learn. And we'll be seeing that over this weekend. You know, uh, you, have to, you have to 
pray in there's a particular way of praying that will overcome the satanic opposition in the air and in the flesh. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and let's look at verses 2 and 3 just briefly. Ephesians the second chapter chapters verses 2 and 3 and there the scripture tells us uh, it says talks about the devil being the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2 you know he says um, <clears throat> In verse 2, it says, Wherein in times let me have this in the New King James. New King James, Bimbo, if you have it, good. In which, let's read together, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the what? The flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even others. Everybody say there's a power in the air that is working with a nature in the mind and in the body. When you pray, you tell God what you want. God hears. God sends the answer. But there is a power in the air. A prince of Persia, you know, just use that expression, that wants to try and stop the answer to come. Not only that, even inside your mind and inside your body, there are things that just... It's, 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 it's the sin nature. It doesn't want you. Have you noticed that many times you want to pray, you don't feel like praying? Hello? Or you are praying and you sleep? Has that happened to you before? If it has happened, let me see a wave offering. Hello. You're all going to heaven. You know why? All liars will go to the lake of fire. All right. Okay. You know? You, know, you, you don't want to. You, 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 you know the right thing to do, but you just don't feel like. You know, it is this opposition. There's an opposition in the air. There's an opposition in the mind. There's an opposition in the flesh that wants to hinder you from praying and also hinder you from receiving from God when you pray. How many people know that God will talk and you won't even know that it's God who's talking? Hello? You will hear. You, or you will hear, you will hear some distorted version. One time God spoke and some guy said he thundered. But Jesus heard what God said. But the guys who were standing by said, oh, no, what, what was that? You know? Sometimes God will talk, your mind will twist what God said. The Bible says the carnal mind is in enmity against God. So you know the right, you know, you, 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 it comes pure from God, but by the time it enters your mind, it gets distorted. So you now get a distorted version of what God said. These are the things, these are the issues that are on ground. And we need to overcome these issues, both in the air, we need to overcome the issues in the mind, we need to overcome the issues in the flesh, so that our communion and fellowship with God will be clean, it will be pure, it will be unhindered, we will actually enjoy communication 
and fellowship with God as we ought. And these are the two main reasons why we pray. One, to fellowship and commune with God. Second, to overcome the satanic opposition in the air and in the flesh, creating, as it were, a clear channel through which God's blessings, God's will, God's kingdom, God's power can come into our lives uh, from the air, or rather from God in heaven. God is in the spiritual realm. We are in the physical. Even though we're spirits, wearing a physical body. See, my body is not me. My body is just the clothes I'm wearing. This suit, this jacket is moving now because I'm moving it. When I get home later this evening and I take the jacket off and I put it on the bed, you will say, oh, Luby, won't answer you. Because the jacket doesn't have any life of its own. What's making it move now is because I'm wearing it. Your body doesn't have a life of its own. What's making it move is your spirit who's wearing your body. Your body is actually made in the shape of your spirit. Your spirit has two eyes, it has a nose, it has ears. So God made the, the body the clothing of the spirit. So when you pray, your spirit communicates with God through the avenue of words, and then God's power comes into the into it comes into the system. You know, into your, into your mind and your will, your emotions, your body, your, your circumstances and causes the will of God to come into physical manifestation in your life. So we, what we want to learn now is how to pray effectively. How can I pray so that what God wants, the will of God, is actually manifest in the earth? So that this opposition in the air, in the mind and in the flesh will not hinder, will not hinder the blessings from coming. It will not hinder my communion. It will not hinder my fellowship with God. So when God speaks, I will hear clearly. My thoughts will be, as it were, sanctified so that I can receive what God is saying. That's why I have to learn how to pray. There's one cardinal scripture that encapsulates the principle of effective prayer. It is found in James chapter 5. I believe it's verse 16. And this is what it says in the King James, and I like the King James particularly. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? avails much. Everybody, let's say it together. The effectual, I didn't hear you folks. Fervent prayer of a what? Avails what? Now, let's learn something here. It means that we have three kinds of prayers. Prayers that avail nothing. Hello, which a lot of Christians pray. Then prayers that avail little. If you can avail much, it means you can avail little then prayers that avail much. So what we want to learn is how our prayers can avail much. We don't want to have prayers that avail zero. Now there are many prayers that avail zero. They don't avail anything. Then there are prayers that have many other prayers who avail, they avail, but they avail very little. And then there are prayers that avail much. Now what are the factors 
that causes your prayers to avail much. James tells us by the Holy Spirit, he says the prayer must be what? Everybody say effectual. I didn't hear you. Then the prayer must be what? Fervent. Then the prayer must be prayed by a what? Righteous man. It must be effectual. It must be fervent. And it must be prayed by what? Righteous man. And let, let's say it this way. It's a paraphrase, but it captures what I call the spirit of scripture. You see, the Bible says the letter kills, the spirit gives life. When you read your Bible, you don't just read the letter of the word. You have to find out what the Bible calls the spirit of the word. You know, what is in the mind of God when the scripture was written? What was, because the scripture was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit. I want to find out what is the Holy Spirit actually saying through that scripture. Not just the letter of the scripture. For instance, let me, I'm going to come back to James 5, you know, but let me, let me share this with you. For example, if I say, make hay while the sun shines. Now, most people know what that means. It does not mean that every time you see the sun shining, you go and look for some hay. <laughs> now you're laughing. It sounds silly, but you know, it's just as stupid to misinterpret scripture like that. Many times we read the scripture and we just try and, 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 and take the literal meaning. The Bible says it will kill you. The letter killeth. So if every time you see the sun shining, you're not going to look for, you're going to look for a gardener's uh, <laughs> fork and then you're going to start looking for some hay to make, because, you know, the Bible said, make hay where the sun shines. So what does the Bible mean when it says the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? I know you know, of course I've explained it to you, but let me, I want to paraphrase it in another way so that you can grab the spirit of what the scripture is saying. The degree to which your prayer is effectual, the degree to which your prayer is fervent, and the degree to which you are in right standing with God. The word righteousness there means right standing. We dare now determine how much your prayers avail. So it's a dynamic thing. It's not, it's, not, it's not an absolute. So some prayers will avail little. Some prayers will avail more. Some prayers will avail much. It's all dynamic. It just depends on to what degree was that person praying effectually. To what degree was the person praying fervently. To what degree was the person in right standing with God when he was praying. All those factors taken together, you know, dynamically, when I say dynamic, it means it changes, you know, if, if you're doing it properly, then it will now determine the efficacy of the prayer. That's why we're here this weekend. We want to learn what are the principles, how do I pray effectually? How do I pray fervently? How do I have right standing with God. And it's very interesting if you look at the context in which this scripture was quoted. James wrote it. You know, James is a brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, uh, he didn't even believe in Jesus when Jesus was around. 
You know, it was later on, after, he, after Jesus' resurrection, that, you know, the Holy Mother took him and all his brothers and sisters. <laughs> they all went to John's house and they were all in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And then, you know, he now became a Christian because they didn't believe they, when Jesus was around, they didn't believe in him, his brothers and his sisters, you know, they, they say, what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> you know, but later on they did. And what does James write? He tells us this. He says, Elijah, keep it in his context, was a man of like passions. He said, but he prayed and it did not rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again and then it rained. Why did he say Elijah was a man of like passions? You know what I'm saying? Elijah wasn't perfect. Elijah had his problems and issues just like you and I. If Elijah could pray in spite of his passions and his prayers could avail much, so can yours. Give the Lord a clap offering. That's what he's telling us. And how many people know Elijah had problems? Hello? Great prophet of God and everything, did great miracle. And then one little woman, <laughs> Jezebel, says, I'm going to deal with you. And if by this time tomorrow, God do so unto me if your head is on your shoulders. Elijah ran. Whole man of God of faith and power. You know, why does God record these things inside the Bible? To give you and I hope. If these guys, in spite of their, in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of their problems, and God could hear them, God will hear your own. Are you listening to me? If, if these guys, if Elijah could make it, you will make it. If Peter could make it, you will make it. If doubting Thomas could make it, you will make it. Are you listening to me? They all had issues. They all had issues. Even John, who became the apostle of love. You know what his name was before? Son of Thunder. He and his brother James. <laughs> they want to kill everybody down the block. Praise the Lord. Jesus was going somewhere and the people were not going to listen to him. You know, and they didn't, they didn't accept Jesus. He said, Lord, should we call fire from heaven like Elijah and deal with these people? Jesus said, chill. You guys don't even know what spirit you're of. But he said, it became John the apostle of love. If John could make it, you will make it. A man of like passions. Are you listening to me? So, what we want to learn is how to pray effectually, how to pray fervently, and how to pray in right standing with God. And is this concept of righteousness I am going to go to next. Because I laid this foundation tonight, you know, because if you get this, you have a solid foundation on which you can pray effectually. Uh, some of these things are not emphasized and taught in many places, but uh, over the years, and trust me, I've been in this thing for almost 40 years now. Um, I've been a pastor over 30 years. I've, by the mercy and the grace of God, I have learned and I'm still learning. You know, you never, you never graduate from this school, so to speak. You know, I, I've learned and learned how to pray. Your pastor was, I was telling your pastor, uh, we're coming to you about on today, Sorry, to Lagos. 
you know, uh, uh, from Ibadan. I intended to leave earlier, you know, but things came up in the office and things I had to deal with, you know, you know, so I had a lot of stuff I had to uh, take care of, you know, and I was preparing for this service. I was praying and yet I had to deal with this and deal with that and deal with the other, you know, but call, call it a long story short, I, I couldn't leave, I couldn't leave, leave Lagos as early as I wanted to. I wanted, sorry, Ibadan. I wanted to leave Ibadan around two o'clock so I could get here in time and and rest, and then, you know, get myself ready for the meeting and all that. You know, it turns out I didn't leave Ibadan until 4 o'clock. And you know how the traffic can be. You know, usually, ah, you know, if you leave at 4, chances of getting here at 7 is almost, you know, but I'll tell you what I did. I prayed. Because by the mercy and the grace of God, I've learned how to pray. So, Around, this has been about uh, maybe 11 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I said, Lord, you see, I'm running late. So I said, um, this is what I, I'll tell you exactly how I prayed. I said, Father, I confess our sins to clean with the blood of Jesus. I'll explain what all that means in a minute. And I say, in Jesus' name, I have life. Then I said, Lord, have mercy on me as I pray. Then I said, Heavenly Father, I come to pray to enforce your kingdom in the air so I will have clear traffic. I'll have a safe journey to Lagos and I'll have clear traffic. There will be no obstructions on the road so that I will get here in time for this meeting. I'm not going to pray in the spirit that is praying in tongues to enforce what I have just said. By the power, this is exactly what I prayed. By the power of the Holy Spirit through the ministry of angels. I say, ministering spirits go forth and clear the way for me. Then I prayed in tongues for about three minutes. Nothing long. Prayed in tongues. Prayed. Fervent, effectual. In Jesus' name, amen. And I left it. I kept doing all the things I had to do. I didn't rush myself. You know, I had to, so many things I had to sort out. I finished, you know, we got on the road. Pastor Andrew, how was the trip? We left Ibadan at 4. We were here at 6.30. Normally, especially that between redeemed, you know when you get to that, if I, you know, there's all, that long bridge and all the construction and everything, everything was clear. It doesn't always happen like that too. Uh, it's not, it's, uh, you know, but, but I, I, I shared that to let you know that when you know how to pray by the grace and the mercy of God, uh, you know, you can control your circumstances. You can control situations. I've been praying, you know, but to the glory of God uh, like this, like I said, for years, you know, in our services in, 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 in Ibadan, in our church, we, by my pastors and I and my leaders, we pray every Sunday evening. We pray for three hours, or maybe four. We pray between five o'clock in the evening and about uh, nine o'clock at night for the services of the next week. You know, we have a service on Tuesday. We have another one on Wednesday. We have a prayer meeting on Tuesday. We have a service on Wednesday. And then we have the Sunday service, you know, and all of that. You know, and one of the prayers we pray, and this has worked consistently over the years. You know, we pray about the weather. 
We say it will not rain. It will in such a way and at such a time as to stop people coming for the service, during the service, and after the service, and it happens. It's happened consistently for 20 years, 30 years. Um, um, my children here will let, let you know, even the day it rains, if you go to church early, the rain won't catch you. <laughs> Remember, in such a way and at such a time. If you go to church early, it's the people who come late that the rain catches. By the time we finish the service, the rain will clear. We've done it over the years. We pray for the anointing in the service. We pray for God to draw the people God wants to bring to the service. We also pray about the television and the internet program. That there will be no disruptions. The people will be able to see the program. You know, we've learned how to pray with precision. We've learned how to pray, you know, to get the will of God. The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These things work. Like Peter said in one of his epistles, these are not cunningly devised fables. I bring you reality. You know, I could tell you testimony after testimony, but that's not my intention. My intention is, I don't want you to hear all my own stories and get excited and have a lot of hype. I want you to have your own story. I want you to have your own testimony. I want you to be a person who knows how to pray effectually and fervently so that your prayers will avail much. Then I would have done my job. Hallelujah. Now, let's quickly look at something before we begin close. You know, um, how do we pray effectually and fervently? I'm going to summarize it in a three phrase catch, you know, uh, three uh, part phrase. And, and it's this. Everybody say, you clean with the blood, you load with the word, and you fire by the spirit. Very simple. There's a lot of detail in that. We're going to come into that, you know, but basically that's it. You use the blood of Jesus Christ to clean. That's what gives you right standing. That's why Elijah, although in the Old Testament they didn't, Jesus hadn't yet died, but they still had a concept of right standing. Everybody say right standing, then say right doing. See, most Christians mix up right doing with right standing. Right standing is the foundation. Right doing is the consequence. It is right standing that gives you access to the power of God that will not enable you to have right doing. So what is going to make your prayer effectual and fervent is the right standing that makes the power available. It is the power that is available that will not avail much. That is why Elijah could pray with right standing even though he was a man of like passions. Is it clear? If God wanted all of us to be perfect before he answered prayer, nobody's going to get an answer to any prayer. Hello, somebody. Does our right stand, uh, doing affect it? Yes, it does. But the important thing is that it is the right standing that gives us the foundation for the right doing. Hello, somebody. Are you listening to me? This is very, very fundamental. It's extremely crucial. And that's what the blood of Jesus does. 
The blood of Jesus cleanses us, we're going to see it in a minute, you know, from all unrighteousness so that we can have access, unhindered, unfettered access to the life of God and the power of God. It is the volume of the life and the power of God that comes in that will now determine how much my prayers can avail. And that's why we have to learn. It t- that's why we're in this prayer seminar. That's why we have to learn these things. They just don't just happen. They are, they are principles on which they are based. Something I've come to see. What I just described to you when I said you clean with the everybody say clean with the blood. I didn't hear you. They say load with the word and then fire by the spirit. You know, when they use in natural warfare, when they're fighting, you know, with a gun, for example, you clean the gun, you make sure it's in good work condition, then you load it with bullets, you know, or some other ammunition, then you fire in the right direction and the, the, the bullet goes out and then it kills or overcomes the enemy. Spiritually, it's the same thing in principle. You clean our hearts with the blood of Jesus. We load our hearts with the word and the life of God. We'll see how we're going to do that tomorrow in more detail. And then we fire by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give, before I close tonight, I'm going to give us an opportunity. We're all going to do a short prayer together. Tomorrow we're going to do a longer, uh, we're going to have a longer prayer session. But, you know, that's why it's crucial to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Crucial. To pray in tongues because that is really where you release the power. When it's done properly, when it's done with the correct faith and with the, with the correct understanding. I heard this from Kenneth Hagin. I was sharing it with your pastors. I just, I just heard Kenneth Hagin say this was about, you know, this was 1980. You know, this uh, how many years ago now? You know, that's uh, 36 years ago you know and and he said this he said in this end time if you're going to grow spiritually and you're going to go far with God you should learn to pray in tongues for at least one hour every day I just grabbed it as a young I was a young Christian I just grabbed it and I started practicing it that's what has made the difference in my life and if I can impart that to you I would have helped you are you listening to me and this same Kenneth Hagen he said this you know, he said that 90% of our praying should be in tongues. Only 10% should be in the understanding. What do you know anyway? Hello, somebody. The Bible says, well, you do not know what you should pray for as you ought. That is why the Holy Spirit has been sent to come to help you to pray. How many people believe the Holy Spirit is smarter than them? I'm not going to ask for how many people who believe they are smarter than the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Yes, what means? Trust me. Trust me. He's far smarter than you. Far smarter. So, isn't it, isn't, doesn't it make sense to allow the smarter guy to do the praying? I'm the, I'm the, I'm the vessel. You know, so he's going to use my tongue and he's going to use my lips and use my body, you know. But I, I let him do the work. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then I, uh, then I know that the, 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 the job will be well done. 
But if I try and do it by myself, I'm very limited in what I can say. In fact, by the time you spoke, talk about five minutes, what else do you have to say? Hello? So we need the power of the Holy Spirit to really have an effectual, fervent prayer life that will avail much. I know this uh, um, um, two minutes headache prayer. I don't even know the two minute headache prayer. <laughs> you know, you do your head like. Mm. I call it headache prayer. You know, you do your, you do, you, you do your hand like, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> it's not going to cut it. Are you listening to me? We have to go. We must go far beyond that. Are you listening to me? You want to really get a handle on these things? You've got to get into deep, effectual, fervent prayer in the spirit. And it has to become a daily habit. It has to be uh, cultured. It has to be um, developed. Thank you. It has to be practiced. It, you know, our, your pastor was asking me, he said, Pastor Olubi, how do you, how do you, ha- you know, what happened? You know, do you just have a very serious experience? Maybe, maybe Jesus appeared to you or something. He didn't say that, but you know, maybe you had a special, uh, there's all of a sudden, boom, from heaven. You know, you just started becoming a strong prayer person. I said, no, 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 it didn't happen like that. I said I had to, it had to be it was there was a gradual now I did have an experience I, and the same experience you had you know I, I got born again that's an experience how many people know that hallelujah amen and then I got another experience I got baptized in the Holy Spirit so I had those two experiences then I now built on those experiences and when I first started trust me to pray for fifteen minutes was a problem. I pray my head will pain me. I pray my tongue will get tired. Hello, somebody. I pray in tongues. Yo, 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 yo. How do you know when that tongue just gets dry? And then you talk. I said, who invented this thing in tongues? You know, it was like that at first. But God helped me. The same God will help you. He will help you. Amen. So it wasn't, it wasn't something I just happened to. You know, I, I, I had to stay with it. And as I stayed with it, and I stayed with it, the Holy Spirit began to teach me. Many of the things I'm telling you now, you know, you become a friend. The Holy Spirit is a friend. He's a helper. And he wants to help you. And he needs your cooperation. And I'll cry in my room and say, God, help me. You know, but I'll try and pray, I'll sleep. Trust me, it's happened to me many times. It still happens occasionally, not as often as it used to. Amen? But I've learned now, you know, if I, if I find myself sleeping, I just say, oh Lord, I'm sorry. Confess my sin. I clean with the blood. Jesus' name, I have like, Holy Spirit, help me, help me, help me. Then I stand up. I find post-choice very important. You know, some people deceive themselves, they lie on the bed and say, I'm praying. I'm just... Just communion with God. <laughs> no. No. Prayer 
Yeah, bedtime is warfare. Have you seen anybody sleeping on the war front? He's going to get killed. Hello? No. Good soldiers are marching and they are, you know, you see, you know, even the Lord Jesus Christ, see him in Gethsemane, you see him fell on his face and he was praying and he sweat. What as it were, great drops of blood. Trust me, brethren, if Jesus 